Good morning, church. Thank you for connecting online. We are continuing this series on In Christ. Ephesians 2, 11 to 22, which we are looking at today, is one of the great passages in the Bible that gives a blueprint of what church is and what it should be. It is quite a confrontational and challenging passage. And Paul starts by saying, therefore, and as you probably have heard before, anytime you see the word therefore, you need to know what is therefore. So to my first point, what does Paul want us to understand? In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prays a tremendous prayer for the church saying, that your eyes be enlightened to see the surpassing greatness of the power of God in you. That means there is a power that comes with being a believer. As the Bible says, as many that have received him, to them is given the power to become the children of God. And in chapter 2, Paul continues with the subject and reveals how this power comes to us internally and individually in such a magnificent way of being transformed from death to life, being transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This is such a great news that God comes into our brokenness and brings wholeness. He comes to our emptiness and brings vitality. And He comes into our deadness and brings life. What a gift! What a great gift of life from God to us. And in the other part of chapter 2, Paul describes how this power in a second way takes different people, desperate and diverse people, people that are separated from Christ, people that are excluded, foreigners to the covenant, hopeless people, and God reconciles them together into one body and changes their life corporately and relationally. Now, reconciliation is an interesting language Paul uses in this passage. And I remember when I was working in the bank. Reconciliation is um, a language we often use a lot in the banking operations, especially when it's close to a month end, ensuring that we reconcile all the debit transactions with all the credit transactions before going into a new month. And it is essential that your books are balanced. And the reason is because, one, you don't want to start a new month with a difference in your books. And two, you don't want to, you don't want the auditors to come knocking on your door to query your imbalance. But the fact is reconciling the books will require some rigorous exercise and hard work, time and effort. Although balancing the books is not quite what Paul is referring to in this passage, is referring to a reconciliation which is bigger than just balanced books and even much bigger than what we face today. But for us to be able to understand the magnitude of the reconciliation, we need to first understand the magnitude of the division. In Paul's days, there's a strong division between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Bible gives us a glimpse of this intensity of the division in Acts 10 telling us a story of Peter being a Jew and a disciple of Jesus. And on the other hand, we got Cornelius, a centurion, and a Gentile, a non-Jew. Peter had a vision from heaven. He saw heaven lowering down on clean animals for him to eat. 
while Peter was still wondering what the meaning of his vision was, the men sent by Cornelius turned up at his door and Peter followed them back to Cornelius' house. And of course, in Acts 10, 28, Peter said something so profound when he found a large gathering of Gentile people at Cornelius' house. He said to them, you're well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So what divides us as people today? Since it is not about being a Jew or Gentile, so what are the walls of separation that divides us today? There are race, religion, ethnicity, culture, and they have come and they have become so much of an issue in modern sense. We saw in Rwanda how the Utus and the Tusis, two groups who speak the same language, inhabit the same areas and also follow the same traditions, and yet their ethnic difference led to Rwanda genocide in 1994, where some 800,000 people were killed in just 100 days. What about the ethnic cleansing of the Uyghur people in China, the religious and cultural tension in the Middle East, in Asia and Africa, Islamic extremists killing Christians, and racism and racial classification common in the Western culture where we see black brutality and injustice. And just um, three um, a month ago, we, we saw how um, the three England uh, players received awful and disgraceful online racial abuse for missing penalties, just for missing penalties in the Euro 2020 final. These are very significant issues today. However, the division God overcomes here is more significant than anything we ever face. The gulf between nations, people groups, genders, races, and they are nothing compared to the gulf between us and God. And yet, if God can reconcile the Jews and the Gentiles, he can definitely reconcile us or reconcile us with our differences and distinction and it can mend broken relationships that have existed from one generation to another generation broken relationship between blacks and whites young old poor rich broken relationship between people groups genders broken relationship between family children and parents husbands and wives brothers and sisters and many of us have experienced rifts in our families. So the church of Christ has work to do. Dr. John Perkins, a civil rights activist, put it this way. There is no institution more equipped and capable of bringing transformation to the cause of reconciliation than the church. But we have some hard work to do. It's a together thing, my friends. The church is more equipped and capable. The church is the best wonder of the world. And back to Acts 10, the, the, the Bible says that while Peter was still speaking, 
the Holy Spirit came on everyone who listened to the message and they were baptized. And the circumcised believer, the Jews that followed Peter were astonished that the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit just the same way the Jews have received the Holy Spirit. That is church. Not only does this power come to us individually, but now corporately and relationally by God reconciling the least likely people to the most likely people. And he calls the unqualified and he qualifies them by grace. And how does God do that? To my second point. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Settled in Christ Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. And without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. I love that little phrase, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, there is nothing worse than being far away from God being separated from Christ. But here is the good news. You have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. And verse 16 says, and in one body to reconcile both of them, the Jews and the Gentiles, to God through the cross by which he puts to death their hostility. It all happened on the cross through the blood. Why the blood? Isn't that a bit extreme as some would say? Sin is a serious matter. We, we must not minimize and say it's just a small detail. It's a big deal. And in fact, the word blood appears in the, in the Bible over 400 times while the word faith appeared only half of the number of times. And Genesis 3 tells us the devastating effect of sin that leads to relational breakdown. And sin has made us so desperate, empty, broken, and separated from God. Sin brought us to such an extreme place and it will require extreme measures. And the Bible is very clear. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The only way to come in is through the blood of Jesus. I love the way the songwriter wrote this song. Uh, what, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. All precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other founts I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It is through the blood. It doesn't matter what color you are, black or white, as long as his blood is red. It doesn't matter whether you are poor or rich or you have A-levels or you don't have A-levels or you have PhD or you don't have masters. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice that became our hostility and sin on the cross. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 20 to 21, for he made him, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What an exchange. And right there, everything changes. If God could do that for me, who am I to, to look down and despise anybody else? If God could take me from my own mess, I remember how 
I was separated from God. Before I became a Christian, I, I used to sneak um, out of the house you know, to go to go to clubs, especially when when my dad has gone on business trips. And um, but there was this particular Saturday, I went to um, a club, probably about two miles away from home, and I remember leaving the club at around um, one a.m. and everywhere was so dark, no friends around me anymore. Uh, it was just me walking back home. I was very scared and afraid. And I was having a feeling of something bad that just happened to me. I felt so empty and helpless. But I got home safely, thank God. But as I opened the door, I saw my dad waiting for me. And I knew that I was, I was in trouble. But to my surprise, he... My dad sat me down and spoke to, to me about God and led me to church where I became a Christian. Maybe you're listening to me and you feel broken, you feel empty and you feel that you're far away from God. My friends, the only way to come, the only way you can come in is to accept what Jesus has done for you. It can fuel your brokenness with allness and it can fill your emptiness with vitality and it can it can still bring life into your deadness and to my top point so what happens when you are in or what does it mean for you and I to be together as a church you get connected you get deeply involved that's the wonder of the church Verses 19 to 22 says that, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built together or built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And in verse 22, and in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by spirit. Now, there are three images Paul uses to describe us as a church here. The first one is fellow citizens with God's people. We have become a citizen of a new nation, of a new kingdom where God is the king. Your background doesn't matter anymore. We are now fellow citizens. And of course, there are duties and benefits that come with becoming a citizen. And I remember when I became a British citizen. It was a very significant moment for me. And during my ceremony, I, I had to take oath of allegiance to the Queen. And at that moment, I felt I belonged I belong to this United Kingdom and I'm no longer on the outside. I'm now on the inside. And at that, at, at, at the same time, I know that there are duties expected of me, such as obeying the law, during, doing jury service and respecting, you know, the rights of other citizens. So also when you come into this new kingdom, into the kingdom of God, we submit ourselves to the law of Christ, summed up in loving God and 
loving your neighbors. So we have a duty of care to the body of Christ and to the community which we live. And also there are benefits such as freedom of movement to other parts of British Commonwealth and of course um, free medical care. So also in the kingdom of God, we, we have the blessings of God. We have the spiritual blessing, the physical blessings of God. And we have free access to, to the throne of God where we can obtain grace and mercy and find grace for help in the time of need. And the second image is we are now members of God's household. We are members of a family. There is now a deeper connection. You and I were adopted. God chooses to adopt us. We are not just being near anymore. But also we are now sons and daughters of God. And he is our father. And what do families do together? They stay connected. They laugh together. They discuss things together. They discuss deep things, secret things together. They, families do meals together. Just as we have Holy Communion when we break bread together. And the third image, building blocks into his temple. We are now building blocks, cemented together. People from different nations and different backgrounds, different nationalities. This is an incredible visual aid for other people to so seeing how united we are in Christ by common vision, mission, and purpose. We are now growing together, accountable to each other. It's an amazing visual aid. And now, He's not just near us. He is with us. And He's not just with us. He is in us. And I'm going to close with this scripture in Ephesians 4.16. From Him, the old body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And to be part of the church, my friends, and to be fully immersed, it's a gift. So don't miss it. Be part of this amazing wonder of God. Don't be on the outside, my friends. Be on the inside. And do your part. Amen. Amen.